eventually my brother actually got a, a Mosnagant, which is a, a Russian, um, it was a Mosnagant 9130, which is what the Russians used in World War II. Um, and he like, he like took it apart and cleaned it and did all those kinds of things. So I got to like start seeing like, oh, you can get into some cool history stuff. Hello all, and welcome to another episode of Audio Stew, a show where people get to share their life experiences, passions, hobbies, you know, all that good stuff. I'm your host, Kurt Bailey, and today's guest is John Mulholland. John is a gun collector. He's very passionate about history and all the different nuances that go along with his hobby. He also loves to share his experiences through YouTube and Instagram. So yeah, today's discussion was just really interesting. I know very little on this subject, so it was fascinating for me to learn more about it. If you're into guns, you're really gonna like this episode. If you don't know really much about it, well, hopefully you learned something today. So with all that, let's get rolling. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Audio Stew. This is episode five of season one. I'm very excited for today's episode. Um, my guest today is John Mulholland, or as I'm known on the internet, Eight Millimeter Mauser Man. Ooh, wow. Okay, I'll explain what that means later if you'd like. Yes, actually, can you say your last name again? Mulholland. Mulholland. Okay. Mulholland. Well, wait. And I'm actually the third. The third. Yes. The third Mulholland or the third John Mulholland. The third John. Mul- both, but the third John Mulholland. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm glad you said that, because I've seen your last name before, but I'm like, I don't know if I actually know how <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, what was your, what was your, as you're known on the internet? 8mm Mauser Man, or 8mm Mauser Man. Okay, okay. So, yes, that is going to factor into today's conversation. Yes, it is. Um, John is very, um, how would you describe your your uh, your passion for guns yeah i would say um passionate and um i don't want to say that in this in like a prideful way i would say like amateur expert amateur Um, okay like i'm not smart enough to go to like original sources and read original source documents okay but i really enjoy watching like the secondary sources so somebody interprets that information and talks about it um Mm. and i also really like collecting so that's like the big the big experience that I like to share okay. is collecting and and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So okay, so that's that's gonna be a that's a brief overview of some of our discussion today. Um, I thought it was, you know, we talk about on the show a lot of like about a lot of different things. Um, we have people just share stories from their life. We have people talk about their careers and stuff, and sometimes we have people talk about their their passions and so today john is going to be sharing about his his passion for guns but before we do that uh john why don't you tell us just a little bit more about yourself yeah okay um so i grew up in iowa um as long as i remember back my dad has been in ministry um although it started out volunteer and then became Mm -hmm. formal uh i don't know when i was in maybe early middle school, or or, sorry, early elementary school. Um, So that was kind of the household I grew up in was a a Christian household, and of course my parents still made mistakes and we're still learning, but we don't need to go into all those details. Um, Sometimes people have this idea that uh, since my parents were Christians, being a Christian myself was really easy, Um, but that was, I guess, a decision that I needed to make for myself. Um, Mm. 
but as I grew up, I didn't quite know what I uh, wanted to do with my life, so um, considered a few different things. We moved around quite a bit when I was younger, um, but one of the places where we were, uh, I had a lot of friends who um, maybe didn't have both parents at home or one of their parents was abusive, mm. um, but they did not just didn't have good home lives. Um, so being as my dad was a youth pastor, I got to see uh, the role that he had in developing and uh, and helping these kids grow, um, sometimes in very personal ways, sometimes in uh, irritating ways, being his son. Um, sometimes it was it was me who was helping with those things in the process. Uh, hmm. My dad never hid, like, the fun parts of, of ministry or maybe the hard parts of ministry, but, like, when he needed to go visit somebody in the hospital, he took us with him. Hmm. Um, and being the youngest, that was mostly me after my parent, after my uh, older two siblings left. Um, but uh, fast forward a few years, um, we lived in uh, Naperville, Illinois, and then Worthington, Minnesota. Um, and that was, uh, the, both of those places were places where, um, in Naperville, it's a, a international community. Um, there were a lot of immigrants from uh, India and um, some from the Middle East. Uh, but really all sorts of places all around the world. I got to, to have friends and uh, kind of experience cultures from a lot of different places. Um, and then in Worthington, it was a uh, immigrant town as well. We had a, a strong meatpacking plant. Um, so that brought a lot of immigrants from uh, Africa and Southeast Asia, hmm. um, as well as from Latin America. So just in both of those places in my high school, I grew up having a lot of friends um, who were from different backgrounds, different cultures, sometimes different religions, um, and and just got to have really like, I guess, important conversations with them and learn about learn about their lives, and I really developed a heart for them. Hmm. Um, so when I graduated high school, I went into ministry. I started at the now gone Nebraska Christian College. Oh, that's gone. Um, now? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it closed down. Uh, so I graduated in last May. Okay. Um and. I, I'm, I left after that, but I left before that. Sorry, but um, I would have been the last graduating class. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huh. So that closed down like just recently. So I have friends who um, who were going there and had to transfer. That's interesting. Yeah. That was see that was always annoying because I graduated from Nebraska Christian High School. Oh and yeah, so I bet you got a lot. Every of... time like we'd like look stuff up like on the internet, be like, oh Nebraska Christian, be like, uh, wait, is this the, the college or the high school? So that was always annoying. But that's interesting. I yeah. I did not know. That's yeah. The first person I know who's actually gone there, at least that I know of. Um yeah. So then I went to uh, Summit Summit Christian College. Okay. Um So if anybody older listens to this, they might know it as Platte Valley Bible College. But I bet most people don't know of it at all. Uh, it's in Gearing, Nebraska. Okay. Um, or uh, the bigger town is Scotts Bluff. Um, and it's a very small school where, like, as much as uh, everybody is your family at every college you go to, um, it's small like a family. Like, there mm-hmm. were, um, trying to think, my my class when I started, uh, I mean, I was, I was a junior, but the, the freshmen when I started, I think there were nine of them. Oh, okay. Um, so it was a very small school. Um, mm. So it was, it was a... Also a great opportunity, but um, I guess something I skipped in there was I uh, started to have a passion for people from other countries mm-hmm. um, and people who had never heard the gospel before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really what I went to uh, to school for, um, was learning to work with other cultures, and that's why I am in Kearney right now, is mm-hmm. uh, serving as a, inter, a cross-cultural minister um, with CSF, yep. a campus yep. ministry. So, yep. All right, well, 
that was pretty that was, that was nice it was whenever i ask someone like you know tell us a little bit about yourself i always get a, like a completely different mm. response especially if i don't qualify it if i mm. qualify it with like like uh how old are you like what's your major and mm-hmm. things like that then it, i get certain answers but if i just say tell us about yourself i'll get all sorts of things i've gotten yeah. like people be like um this is my name and this is what i do and i don't know i guess that's it i'm kind of a boring person like they'll literally say that <laughs> and then i'm like what because then we'll talk for like an hour about how they're not boring <laughs> and well, then I, I like stories so yeah you're ready for me to exactly. tell stories yeah i love that so much i this show's all about telling stories so you are fitting right in with the with the i don't know what the what the word is with the with the trend something like that anyway um so you have a very strong passion for ministry Mm -hmm. which sounds like is even stronger than your passion for guns definitely um which i would love to talk about some other time actually um we talked about that before recording what uh what we were going to talk about today and that was the other option was ministry stuff but i've talked with a lot of people over the past uh several months about that and so i think for variety's sake we're gonna talk about something a little bit different today but at some point in time you'll have to come back yes talk please about <laughs> talk about uh ministry because if i'm not mistaken you have been overseas before yes twice twice oh i did not know that to yeah. the same place no the first one was uh el salvador okay i did not know that that's cool yeah um yeah so love to hear about that some other time but today guns so let's switch gears to that um Mm -hmm. when did this passion for guns when did that start to develop and why so that is a very good question um so when i look back at generations one of the thing one of the trends you can kind of see is a lot of like baby boomers got into um got into guns like hunting um or like that kind of thing hunting or uh clay shooting or that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um a lot of like millennials uh got into guns due to um maybe their dads being into it um or something along those lines i'm sure some of that was hunting as kids with their parents Mm -hmm. um but my generation a lot of it is uh video games and movies yeah um so like i i grew up playing halo um, so can't really own those in real life <laughs> for, the, for the most part, yeah. but well, got like a um, sitting <laughs> but I grew up playing Halo, but also like a call of duty world at war. Like some yeah. of those, like older, some of those older games, um, had, had an impact on me. Um, but also like, uh, growing up, I mean, I live in America and I lived in Iowa. So, um, yeah. my dad had a shotgun and a handgun and I think that was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when my brother turned 14, I think, um, my dad bought him a right, bought him like a 22 rifle. Um, when I turned 14, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my earlier experiences with it was just like, uh, I had family who lived on a farm. So every, every few months we'd go out there and shoot a little bit. Um, didn't really do anything. Didn't really do anything too crazy. Just kind of shot pop cans or into a mm-hmm. big pile of snow, whatever cool. it was. Um, we right. didn't really know how to target shoot. We just kind of shot around for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, like after that, um, Eventually, my brother actually got a, a Mosnagant, which is a, a Russian, um, it was a Mosnagant 9130, which is what the Russians used in World War II. Um, 
and he like he like took it apart and cleaned it and did all those kinds of things. So I got to like start seeing like, oh, you can get into some cool history stuff and like mm-hmm. you can use the same gun that you used in Call of Duty. Like you can own that in real life. Hmm. And kind of started seeing like how fascinating that was. Um, but then I went off to school and um, I started like paying attention to some some uh, YouTube stuff because I was in college, so I couldn't really like couldn't really own much. Um, but I started following some YouTubers like uh, Forgotten Weapons is a really big one. Um, so he talks about like oftentimes like prototype stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really like got really interested in like the history and mechanics. Um, some of it is is the shooting too and like how those things work together. Um, it really became like a mechanical side project to study. Hmm. Um, and like I said, like it's a lot of like movies and TV shows and video games. So there was an episode of uh, The Walking Dead where uh, a guy had what's called a Mosin-Nagant M44. Okay. okay. So that that, bro- that rifle my brother had was a, was a long rifle. And this was a carbine, but it had a bayonet that folded along the side. Oh, okay. Um, so it was a spike bayonet, not a knife, but it's just like a, like a spike. Um, and basically it was made in like late, um, late during the, the um, World War II, during the Great Patriotic Wars, the Russians say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was designed for like fighting in maybe like cities and those kinds of things, but also carbines can be useful for like people on horseback, um, people who are expected to do a little bit less fighting, but still need a weapon. Um, so I, like, I saw that and I was like, I knew I wanted one of those with the side folding bayonet. Hmm. Um, so I went to, uh, went to gun shows and at, at a gun show I found, a uh, it was a Chinese type 53, which is just a Chinese version of that rifle, um, bought it. And that was kind of where this passion started. Hmm. Um, and then since then I've, I've amassed more and more. Um, do you want me to talk about that too? Or, oh, I mean, we can definitely get into your collection. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I got into like the more, um, more the history side of things. Okay. So. Huh. That's really, it's really pretty interesting. I, the, the, it's so weird how culture just influences some of those things. Right, right. Like, because you're, you're totally right. Like, that guns are, like, everywhere. And, right. Like, gaming, especially, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and movies and stuff. I mean, you think of all these, like, movies like John Wick and just things that are just all about making, like, you know, as much as much chaos and like exploding and things mm-hmm. like that or not necessarily not not everything's about that but like it's just such especially in america it's just so yeah. integrated into society yeah yeah when uh, i watch a good gun movie one of the first thoughts in my mind is i want one of those <laughs> yeah so your story uh, i started laughing your story about uh pop cans or whatever mm-hmm. reminded me of a story in my family that i've i had completely forgotten mm. about um, so I'm going to embarrass my, my sister. I believe this is my sister, Shanna. I could be wrong. Um, she was on a recent episode of Audio Stew. If, if you'd like to go back and listen to that, uh, dear, dear listener. Um, I believe Shanna, when she was, I'm going to totally butcher this story because I just now remembered it. Shanna was maybe like eight or nine or something like that. 10, 10, 12. I don't really know. But we were at our, our grandma's farm, and uh, we had a BB gun set up, and um, we were, like, shooting at pop cans or something like that. And I don't remember the exact story, but somehow Shanna shot the BB gun, and I don't remember if it ricocheted off the pop can or 
if she just was a really bad shot, but she shot out the window of our, oh, man. Of our van. <laughs> and it, and, <laughs> that van took a beating. It also lost uh, it also lost the seatbelt, which I talked about that in the last episode. But uh, yeah, your story about just hanging out with your family and right. stuff, that just reminded me of that. Right. I never really did much. Mm. Uh, when it comes to, to shooting or like hunting or anything like that, I've I've been like I've done target practice like probably less than five times in my life or something like that. So it's very interesting. Did you? Um, so your your passion for like guns developed from your passion for for just in entertainment and stuff. And then developing into, like, the history from it. Right, like, like I knew I knew I wanted to get some guns, um, because, like, it was just, it was an American thing, it was, yeah. a, it was a cultural thing, it was my dad, um, but kind of the, the specific genre that, like, I led to was a lot of, like, media. Okay, okay, I think I got you. Did you, because you, you just, I've, in my conversations with you, um, you just seem so, so fascinated by history, mm-hmm. um, was that something that you're just passionate about in general or was it because of guns that you really got into that i would say i probably developed both of those at the same time oh okay like i liked history and that made learning about the old guns more interesting mm-hmm. and i liked old guns and that made learning about inter- history more interesting hmm. like seeing so like i was uh when you when you told me to start talking so you could balance the mic and i oh, started yeah. talking about the the the, <laughs> the, the um the polar, polar bear, bear expedition yeah, yeah. um so that was a situation where the United States went to uh, fight Russia, and with them, they brought Russian rifles. However, um, because the, the Russians were in the middle of World War One before this, um, they were trying to get any rifle they could get their hands on, so some of them had, like, what you think of, like, like when you think, like, the Wild West, you think of, like, the old lever-action, like, cowboy oh, guns. Yeah. Some of the guns they had were lever-action cowboy guns. Huh. So it's possible that Americans with Russian rifles were fighting uh, Russians with American rifles <laughs> in, in this... That's really funny. That's ironic. In, in this conflict. And, like, yeah. so, like, that's that's a history thing, and that's a gun thing, but, like, when you put those two together, it makes it a lot more fascinating. Huh. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's really interesting. What? So... Okay. I think it's really interesting just because I like the, um, just some of those odd intricacies, like, Mm -hmm. well, how, like, what were the details of this scenario and like, how did that influence like the outcome? Like, I think those are really interesting. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious because I almost feel like, does it ever feel weird, like studying about guns and stuff? just because of like a lot of the like i mean like if you study a gun from world war ii like is it weird to think about like oh this gun was very efficient at like killing people or things like that i don't know so the type 53 that i mentioned yeah um that that was the, the 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 rifle i bought at the gun show um some of those so you can see pictures of those being confiscated from Viet Cong soldiers mm. so in the vietnam war um, those were given to from China to Vietnam as, as aid during mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. Um, so it's possible that that rifle was shot at American soldiers. Hmm. And that's a weird thing to think about. That like mm-hmm. I'm holding something in my hand that could have killed like somebody from my country. That is really weird. So like so 
it's interesting because I love studying guns, but at the same time, if you, this is a conversation for another day that maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe is another podcast. <laughs> I love, I, I'm, I'm actually very anti-war. Yeah. Um, so like, uh, I, I mentioned the YouTuber, uh, Forgotten Weapons. Um, mm-hmm. he has a video where he's taught just kind of talking about some of the guns from his collection and he has a, um, uh, Japanese type 99, um, where all of the wood is burned except where handprints were holding it. Because somebody who was holding that was hit with a flamethrower. Oh, wow. Or they were in something that got burned out. Um, Those types of things are reminders of why we never want this to happen again. Mm. Like... One one of one of the guns I bought I bought because of um I was watching World War was watching a World War One show mm-hmm. and uh and like when I when I learned anything about World War One like my, one of my earliest thoughts was like this this didn't need to happen but it mm. did um so yes I struggle with that I struggle with that huh. as a Christian sometimes yeah um but I I guess the way I think about it is like I'm I'm talking about this to people who are interested in history and yeah. collecting um. And it, it, it's not motivated in my heart out of a place of, of like, violence. Yeah, yeah, which I was not implying. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was just I, curious. So what what do you think has been the most, the most valuable things of your study of guns and stuff? Like, I mean, you just said, like, you know, anytime you study history, a lot of times it's – anytime and a lot of times – I can't mm-hmm. get my words right. But, like, a lot of times when you study history, it's to, to learn from it, to mm-hmm. be like, okay, this is where we went wrong. Right. Like, well, how can we be better? But like, what if, what has been the value in your mind of studying this topic? Um, a, I'm gonna be honest. A big part of it is entertainment and fun. Okay. It's something. I, it's something I take passion in and love studying. Yeah. Um, and I, a part of me has no problem with learning history and or just about something for the sake sake of learning. Yeah. Um. So that that is a part of it is just because I'm interested in it. Um, yeah. I think one of the big lessons I've learned is that. Um, there's trade-offs with everything. Hmm. Um, so like when you, when you look at, um, when you look at what one country designed before a war and what another country designed before a war, sometimes you'll see these like weird things where, um, this country decided, okay, we're going to make the cheapest rifle that we can. That's still effective. And another country decides we're going to make the best rifle that we can. And the, the cheaper one is actually better because they started fighting the war and they started running out of rifles and they needed to just pump guns out. Hmm. And so even though it was like marginally worse, it was, it was better in the long run. Um, and there's, there's a lot of situations like that where there's like little choices that were made here or there um, that are better in some environments, but worse in others. Hmm. And just kind of learning like very rarely in life is there a situation that only has positive and does not have a single drawback. Huh. Um, and that's become clear in, like, talking about, like, the history of firearm development, but it's also just true in life. Yeah. Um, every, every opportunity I do, I'm missing out on something else. Huh. But also every opportunity I miss out on and getting to do something possibly really awesome. So. That is not at all what I was anticipating for an answer. Yeah. I don't know what I was <laughs> anticipating, but it was not that. <laughs> that's um, but, really interesting. But that's one. One of the other interesting things is seeing, like, like... A gun that the Swiss designed, and a yeah. gun that the Germans designed, and the gun that the Russians designed, and you can see like, oh, this looks like it's a clock. Huh. Like this looks like it's basically just a clock that that goes boom. And that's that's <laughs> like the the best example of that is the H and K G eleven. And I'm saying all these things hoping people will Google them. Um, <laughs> but the H and K G eleven is like the most German thing you will ever place your eyes on. Huh. Um, 
the Mosin Nagant is incredibly, is incredibly, like, Russian. It just, it looks like it was built very cheaply, um, and it has several parts that are doing, like, four or five different things, and the Russians kept it for after just about everybody else had replaced, um, like, they were, they were still using that after countries were starting to phase out bolt actions, mm-hmm. um, because they were just broke. And so it's, a, like, it's, a, I guess, a casualty of the Soviet mm-hmm. experiment, so. Hmm. What's, uh, what's character characteristic of, um, American firearms? Americans have a, like, obsession with marksmanship. Okay. Um, again, you know how we talked about that problem with, like, devoting, like, because everything is a trade-off, they sometimes devote so much energy to marksmanship that they trade off in other areas. Yeah. Um, so if you look at the sites on the, uh, oh man, what, I think it's the, the pattern, um, oh, that was actually a British thing, never mind. Um, but, uh, like the, um, the, <clears throat> the, the M1 Garand, um, World War, World War II rifle, um, like the sights are just very intricate. Um, and, and it's a lot of, a lot of American guns that have that problem. I think it, the the 1903 Springfield had the same problem where like it's it's very fine adjustable and it's because Americans just love marksmanship. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that goes back to our history, like the way we the way we won. I say we like I did it, but yeah. the way we won the Revolutionary War is by um, is by marksmanship. Hmm. We hid and we shot from cover, and mm-hmm. that's something the British weren't doing. But because we did it better than they did, like that was that was one of the one of the things that had to play in the um, hmm. in the war. And, um, go like after that, we entered like the, the wild west era and then it was oftentimes long range engagements. Mm-hmm. So marksmanship was very important. Um, so it makes sense why that was, but sometimes we did that to our detriment and had an over, over designed rifle, over complicated rifle for, you know, what it wasn't, when it wasn't needed. Huh? So. Wow. This is like, I know like virtually nothing <laughs> about this Yeah. Area. Yeah. So this is all very fascinating to me. <clears throat> the, I guess the other side of it is like. American weapons procurement was really messed up for a long time. Like a series, just a series of mistakes that we made over like centuries that were ridiculous. Hmm. Um, sticking with guns longer than we needed to adopting things before they were ready. Um, and sometimes that cost lives Hmm. and sometimes it didn't, but you know, sometimes it was, it was actually a good thing because rather than dumping all of our money into a project and then, um, being broke when something new came out, like a, like a lot of countries did, mm-hmm. um, we had a whole lot of money saved up for you know a better to get the best thing of everything. Mm-hmm. We waited so we got to see what was out there and choose the best parts. Hmm. But there are just lots of examples. Uh, okay. Well, if there are lots of examples, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that. What was one? What was one decision we made that do you think if we had not made like it would have been more like there would have been less casualties okay um a problem everyone made before world war one was doubting the machine gun okay okay so there was this idea that machine guns were ungentlemanly yeah like right like what you just want us to hide behind cover and pull a trigger no we need to load in single file and stand up out out in the open yeah and uh that doesn't work in a machine gun era and uh long range artillery era in so many ways Mm -hmm. um so that was more than just the u.s that was a lot of people but um the a good argument can be made that the lewis gun was the best machine gun of world war one so that's like 
the one uh, it's actually in Star Wars. Um, a lot of old guns are in Star Wars, but <laughs> it's the one that has a big like dish on top, um, oh, and then yeah, it has yeah. a really like it looks like it has a really wide barrel. It's actually like a barrel jacket. Huh. Um, but uh, so um, the Lewis gun was like being offered to America for a really long time, and um, it was constantly being denied because of these like just this ludicrous ideas. Like, why would we want a machine gun we can move with? We'll have emplaced machine guns, and we'll have guys with rifles, and that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but World War One quickly became a war where things like light machine guns really played a big role. Um, and so we adopted that too late. We didn't really have a good light machine gun when we... I mean, we eventually got the BAR, but that was ni- made in 1918, right as the war was ending. Yeah. We could have had the Lewis gun up and running almost before the war. Huh. Um, so lots like things like that where um, cost lives. Um, another example could be uh, the Craig Jorgensen. So that was a, I, it was Denmark, I think. Might be wrong on that. Okay. But I think it was Denmark. It was a, it was a Scandinavian country um, that had designed it. And it was our first, um, our first rifle using smokeless powder, which is like modern gunpowder. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically we had that and we took it into the Spanish-American War. And it was a situation where we took it into battle and we won the war, but we still left saying we should get the rifle that they had. Hmm. And so it led to the creation of the 1903 Springfield, um, was, was kind of the, the, I guess the aftermath of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was an example of something that we, that was something we jumped into like too quickly. We didn't look around at what was around long enough. Um, mm. because the, the Mauser pattern of a- the Mauser, uh, action is just far superior to just about anything else of its day, but hmm. as, as a bolt action rifle. Um, now of course it's inferior to just about every modern fighting rifle, but that's another conversation. So, <laughs> okay. Wait, I feel like we have so many. Yeah, sorry. You're, you're... Basically, modern <laughs> rifles are automatic or semi-automatic. Um, you pull the trigger and it shoots, and then you pull the trigger again instead of cycling something by hand okay. every time, and that's just obvious why that would be easier. Mm-hmm. No, what I was gonna say is I feel like you, you're, you're, uh, you, your vast like amount of knowledge mm-hmm. in just this like related topics because I feel like. You know, guns, ministry, history, those are probably, like, your jam. Like, you've got those down. So there's just so many different things we could go off of with that. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to have John back on the show at some point. Um, Let's go with... uh, I'm very very fascinated by your collection. Okay. Um, You want to talk about your collection? Like, I don't know. What what is it? cost to be a gun collector right. what uh what's a, like what are some of your favorite guns uh whatever you feel like is worth sharing right um that is where things get a little bit more complicated okay um so uh, not that complicated but um basically if you like talk about guns with somebody who's who's been collecting for more than 10 years mm-hmm. um basically before 2012 it was a much easier hobby to get into yeah um in the 90s and early 2000s you could buy a lot of these rifles for fifty to seventy dollars. Yeah. Um, so you could amass a collection for well under a thousand dollars. Okay. Um, so like that's a problem with modern forums now. Is you post a picture of something, and you're like, "Hey guys, I spent four hundred dollars on this," and they're like, "Back in back when I was buying, it was you know seventy five cents," and they threw in a T-shirt, like and just all sorts of random random nonsense. Um, not the case anymore. Not the case anymore. Oh no. Um, now things have gotten more expensive. But you can still get into it on a budget. And I actually have a YouTube video on that, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'll probably be later in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
Uh, what I have, and I guess I'll start with what I have and start go into some things I want to get into then. Okay. Um, right now I have mostly rifles. Okay. Um, I have a, a, what's called a twenty four forty seven, um, which is generally with number with guns numbers are years. Can be also be a caliber. Can also be like number of rounds it holds, but most of the time numbers are years. Okay. Um, or model numbers it can be that too. But twenty four forty seven Mauser. Um, and uh, that was uh, Yugoslavian, and uh, basically it was originally made uh, before World War II, but then they also started making them after World War II. Um, that's what the 24 and then the 47 is. Uh, shoots 8mm, so that's where the name 8mm Mauser Man comes from, is it's a, it's a round. Mm. Um, and uh, then I also have a, uh, an Ishapur 2A1. Um, so if you like World War One movies or World War II movies for that matter, and you've seen a Lee Enfield, mm-hmm. which is what the British used. Um, has like the, the snub nose on the front is, is kind of a recognizable thing. Um, I watched a World War I movie and thought, I really need to get me one of those. Um, but uh, regular, regular Lee Enfields shoot a three oh three British, which is usually in the U.S. over a dollar a round. Um, wow. But uh, in India, they... Uh, they so they used the Lee Enfield because they were a British Commonwealth yeah. um, country for a long time, and uh, they used it for um, past Great Britain, and they were still using the World War One variant for a long time. When Great Britain changed to a different variant, India was still using the World War One version. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they adopted um, when NATO, because India is a NATO country, adopted the uh, the FAL um, or the, the more importantly the seven six two by fifty one cartridge. Uh, what we call 7.62 NATO. Um, India instead re, uh, chambered some of their um, Lee Enfields into 7.62 so that they could be used as like training rifles, given to like rear troops. Since they basically since they already had the production lines set up, um, they did a lot of crazy stuff with the Lee Enfield, and it's really fascinating. Hmm. Um, but a lot of it was like basically to throw in the back of of stuff. Um, so I have one of those. It's just an easier round to get a hold of. Um, and it's, it's a fun rifle to shoot. It's probably one of my favorites to shoot. Okay. Um, and then uh, I ended up selling that Type 53 I talked about and really regretted it. And what I got with that was a, um, a Narenko 213 uh, Tokarev. So the TT-33 is a Russian rifle, or Russian pistol, I mean. Um, uh, and the uh, 213 is basically just a Chinese copy of it, but in nine mil- like regular 9mm that we have in the United States instead of 7.62 by... Uh, by 25, mm-hmm. which is what the other one shoots. You can find 7.62 by 25, and in fact, that's probably easier in the post-COVID era. Um, ammo has gotten scarce, especially, like, defensive rounds, like 9mm, because mm. um, people were, were terrified. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's the uh, the economics There's so of, many economic things with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so huh. a, big, a big part of that is, like, people were, people were afraid of, like, total, I guess, uh, civil unrest. And yeah. then... When uh, when the whole George Floyd situation happened, and then yeah. that became worse, um, huh. and uh, basically like 2020 was a record breaking year in gun sales. Um, there were there were months that uh, since basically since the fe- uh, the FBI has been keeping record of how many guns have been sold or how many background checks have been done, um, 2020 broke broke all of the records. Wow. Um, and, and usually month by month, but I, I don't I haven't seen for the full year yet. Yeah. Um, huh. So, like, and the ammo went with it, too. So, especially, like, defensive 9mm and 223 and 5.56, all of those types of things were gone, virtually. You can still find them sometimes. Hmm. Um, so I have the, the Tokarev, and then I have a Mosin-Nagant M44, 
um, which is the the folding bayonet one. Found it cheap at a gun show and nice. thought I'd get it back. Um, it's not the same rifle, but it's it's pretty close. Um, and then just my twenty two that my dad my dad gave me when I was like fourteen. So hmm. still have that. So how many was that? Was that six total? Uh, three rifles, four rifles, handgun, so five. Five. Okay. Um, I got you. Does yeah. that require like a lot of maintenance and stuff, or can you pretty much just leave them? Usually, okay. Stored? So it kind of depends on where you live. Um, okay. It also depends on the color of your hair. <laughs> but we'll. <laughs> so so where you live first. Um, if you live in a humid climate, um, you need to just make sure they don't rust. Okay. Um, basically, if you check on it every once in a while, that's fine. Uh, when I when I left to come to uh, Kearney, I didn't have an apartment right away, so I kept my guns at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Um, I just oiled them well before especially things that I had touched because the oils in your skin can bring yeah. out the, the rust. Um, and um, basically, so I just oiled everything well and put it away so that it wouldn't wouldn't rust while I was gone. Um, just kind of, as long as you check on them occasionally, mm-hmm. you don't really need to worry about it. Um, the color of your hair thing is, for whatever reason, um, people with ginger hair, the oils in their skin cause more problems with rust. What? And I've heard that, and I've heard people who have firsthand experience with it, I cannot tell you why it is. That is um, so weird. So it's just one of those like weird side things. Um, hmm. I'm sure if you know science or chemistry, please let me know about that. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but huh. But yeah, so generally speaking, like when I was in western Nebraska, um, it wasn't a problem. It was basically a desert there. Um, if you lived in like Louisiana or maybe even like near a river where it's more humid, mm-hmm. it might just be something you want to check on. Um okay. But if you, honestly, if you just pull them out regularly, like, it's not like you need to constantly check. Um, it's usually just when you shoot it, clean it. Yeah. If you shoot old corrosive ammo, clean it. Um, but other than that, you're basically fine. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't, you don't have to say if you don't want to. What do you think is the, like, value of all your guns oh, and stuff? Uh, so. Combined all together mostly I go pretty cheap stuff. Okay. Um, that's, that's the thing is, so you asked how much, how much this hobby costs and I've kind of ignored that question. Okay. Um, you can kind of start like some guns you can get, like even, even like older things, if you're just interested in collecting and you don't necessarily care too much about the value, mm-hmm. you can collect some stuff that's starting at like 200 bucks. Okay. And you can like old pocket pistols, you can get some really cool stuff and not spend over two to $400 per gun. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, if you want to collect like, Certain things, you can spend well over $5,000, way more than that for certain okay. guns. It really just depends on what you're into. Hmm. Um, so I would I would say if you looked at the value of every of like all my guns, grand to $1,500. Okay, yeah. That's about what I was going to guess. I yeah. really didn't know. But, yeah. Huh. Probably around there. Not not crazy. Yeah. But. Yeah. Hmm. What would, you know, like a... Uh, resources for people if they did want to start getting into gun collecting i think big place to start is youtube okay um that's what really and it kind of depends um a lot of people would say the difference between somebody who has a lot of something and somebody who collects something is um being particular about what you collect Mm -hmm. um i've just kind of been buying what i can get my hands on so as much of a collection that i have i guess you could say like post-war Production, generally, when people say post-war, they mean specifically World War II. Yeah. Um, post-war production bolt actions, I guess, is the collection that I have, but um, it's more just kind of things I see interesting. But probably as I get older, as I get more money and start kind of amassing more, I'll choose a specific area of interest. 
Um, but uh, YouTube is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of people who share their interest in collecting and just kind of they're passionate about it. So when they find something, they post it. Um, but just kind of find stuff you're interested in and do your research to see if there's like, let's say you play um, you play a video game and really want a car 98K, which mm-hmm. is German World War II bolt action rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, you go online and you see, oh, oh these are $1,000, right? You can't really get your hands on them. But you can get your hands on a Yugoslavian um, captured one for 500 you can get your hand on a, um, on like a, just a run of the mill other countries Mauser. Like might have some differences, but shoots the same round and functionally the same action. Um, Two hundred. Like find find something you're interested in in that and look for the cheaper side of it if that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, I think just kind of start intaking from YouTube. Hmm. Uh, Forgotten Weapons is a channel I mentioned. CN Arsenal does mostly like the history side of things. Um, there's a guy who's not who I'm not personally a particular fan of, Mike B, who does a lot of like the collecting side of things. He's just kind of abrasive, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I just I watch his stuff sometimes, but I'm just like, Ugh. Um, but I'm sure he's a cool guy. Um, but yeah, like there are just lots of people who are passionate about the hobby. Yeah. Um, Facebook groups, um, things like that are good places to like get knowledge. Uh, when you want to start buying, I go gun shows and gun stores. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes things are expensive. Sometimes things are good deals. That just takes time to figure out. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of, like, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned, like, uh, background checks earlier because you had to do that for, like, you said there was record number mm-hmm. this year yeah. or last year. Is that a very complicated process to go for, to go through for buying guns, or is that only for a certain type of gun? Um, that really depends. So... I've bought guns several different ways. There's also probably state laws too. Right, right. Um, But I'm I'm gonna start. I'm just gonna go to go federal because uh, Nebraska has very few state laws. They do have some, but um, but uh, generally speaking, federally. So if you're buying within a state, within your own state, Mm -hmm. um, usually you can buy without needing to pass a background check. If you're sorry, if you're buying from a private seller. So let's say you have a house and you're like, hey John, I want to buy a gun, and I'm like, oh, I have one I've been looking to get rid of. this is how much I want to charge. You say you agree to that. If I don't have any reason to believe that you are a prohibited person, yeah. either underaged or um, committed a crime or something along those lines, I can give it to you and you give me money. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've, I've done that before. Um, I met a guy, I met a guy at a gas station <laughs> uh, late at night. And, and afterwards I was like, that was probably a bad idea, um, but it didn't get murdered. So um, yeah, that's good. But that was actually a trade. I had a gun. He wanted, he had a gun. I wanted, we just traded. Um, and that was, that was the process. Um, I, I've bought several guns from, uh, from, um, so gun shows are basically a whole bunch of people coming together and, uh, talking about what they have, um, and, or or trading it, trading what they have. If that person owns a business, then they need to go through the background check form and they sell. Mm. If that person does not own a business, then they can just give it to you. If it's just a private person, but who happens to be at a gun show, then it's just as if anything else. Hmm. Um, so I've bought several times from gun shows, but uh, businesses, and then I had to uh, fill out what's, I think it's the 4470 or 4473, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a form that gets all of my information. Um, they call, it's called a NICS background check. Um, all I know is that the I stands for instant. So uh, they call the FBI and give them some of my information. The FBI runs a background check. Then I get my gun if I'm not a felon. Um, or not a, not a criminal who's done certain laws that would say, um, I can't own a gun. Hmm. 
um, if you are getting it shipped to you, because I've done that too, if you're getting a gun shipped to you, um, whether it's in your state or not in your state, it needs to be shipped to a, uh, a gun dealer, like a gun store. Um, sometimes pawn stores have it. Sometimes somebody who just lives in your town has the has the license. So they ship to your gun dealer. Um, you go to your gun dealer. The gun dealer runs the background check, and then you take home your gun. Um, usually that costs, like, anywhere between uh, 20 and $40. Sometimes less, sometimes more, but that's kind of the usual. So it kind of depends on what you're doing. Um, in Nebraska, when you buy a pistol, you need to have a, a purchase permit or a concealed carry. So if you have a concealed carry permit or something that's showed that you've already passed a background check, um, that except for the, the transfer with the gun store because they still need to do paperwork on you. Um, mm. With, like, if you're buying from certain places, uh, that skips the process because they can see you've already passed it, so you don't need to pass one second time. So. Hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. There's some helpful information for any of you who are maybe yeah. looking to get into stuff. I'd encourage you to, you know, do your own research as well and be as informed as possible. But yeah. it's definitely a good starting place. Basically, be safe. Um, yeah. when you're When you're looking at that, just Google, like gun safety mm-hmm. and you will find a plethora of people who are trying to tell you the the basic rules so. yeah yeah for sure totally random have you been to the hastings museum before the hastings museum yeah no i haven't oh, okay there's in the, the the basement of it i don't know if it's still there or not but there's a like an entire section on like guns from huh. like i think from world war ii i don't know actually you know what it's like a whole era huh. so it's like i think it's just like it's basically just all about guns. Cool. There's like some really, there's some like really whack stuff in it too. Like yeah. there's a, a, something like the world's smallest pistol or mm. like one of those, it's like this big right. a, a audience. It's like an inch long. Yeah. Um, is like the little round is just like this tiny little mm-hmm. thing. And there's like a ballpoint pen that's for like something like a spy gun or right right like those there's, are a felony now yeah yeah <laughs> probably don't have those. i say now they've been a felony for 80 years but <laughs> but yeah there's all sorts of random like really interesting things there. yeah so, yeah i'll need to go there yeah there, check it out there's also the cody firearms museum in wyoming okay um i need to go there too because it's one of the, i think if it's not the largest in the world it's one of them hmm. and i live like four hours from there and never went so i still yeah, need well, to do that yeah, but there you go um earlier you mentioned uh if you're you know where where should you start as a you know aspiring gun collector mm-hmm. he said go to youtube so i always transition to that uh john you have a youtube channel yeah um so i have uh eight millimeter mauser man i'm on youtube and instagram okay um the instagram is mostly memes um <laughs> sometimes sometimes milserp content but um like gun memes and stuff, or yeah. just any yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's that. That's where I get maybe a little bit more political. Sometimes, but um, okay. on the YouTube, I stay mostly away from political stuff. Okay. Um. But uh, so yeah, so I do do YouTube, and that is I try to be um, basically a collecting instructor for the man in the budget. Okay. Um, I kind of talked about like there are a lot of people who are into this hobby. Um, if you got into it forty years ago, you could buy like. Guns that now are thousands of dollars for 50 bucks. Hmm. So some people bought like 10 of them. And then now they have these guns that are worth thousands of dollars. And so like they'll post these pictures of them on Instagram. And like it's easy to look at that and be like, oh yeah, that's never going to be me. Yeah. And that's kind of right. But you can still get some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Like sure you can't get a Luger. But you might be able to still get like other fun stuff. So that's kind of the route that I go. Um, I talk a lot about like personally I collect because I like to shoot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, one of my biggest series is um, uh, 8mm Mauser surplus ammo. Um, so basically when I bought my Mauser, um, 8mm is not a common round in the U.S., but you can find it sometimes for like somewhat somewhat inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it was basically like a long time ago, 8mm, like the Mauser was the AK. So like the AK was just made by like half the countries in the world. Long t- before that, that was the Mauser. Um, there are a few different rounds, but the most pre- prevalent was 8mm. Um, so you have like Turkish and um, Ethiopian and um, basically on every continent except for Antarctica, they made 8mm ammo. Hmm. Um, and so like even countries that didn't use it made it for countries that did or they made it for captured weapons or, you know, whatever it was. Um, so some of this ammo is not good. It was stored in bad conditions. Hmm. Um, some of it's perfectly fine. And I happen to have a rifle that's safe to shoot all of it. Um, some rifles aren't safe to shoot all of it, but mine is. So I just kind of test all of it and kind of give a general rundown of whether or not it's still usable. Huh. Um, so that's that's kind of that big series. Um, I, talk, I do talk a lot about, like, if you don't have a lot of money, but you want to get, like, this is why I got this. Um, I also talk a lot about history. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that I mentioned I was reading a book earlier on that trip into Russia. Um, so that sparked a series on the Mosin-Nagant. Um It's only been like two videos so far, so I don't know if it's really a series, but um, <laughs> basically like some flaw, some big flaws with it because it is probably one of the worst worst rifles of World War II. Um, but some big flaws with it. Um, but the first video I did on that was like how to make it not suck quite as bad. Um, or how to make it not a garbage rod, because a lot of people call it a garbage rod. Huh. Um, and basically, that all came down to cleaning. So I talked about, like, three really important areas where you can clean it. It was was short video, but that one has, like, 4,000 views, and it's only two months old. Wow. Um, so that's doing that's probably my best video right now. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's I guess, most of what I do on the YouTube side of things is um, just talking about, like, the collecting, um, shooting... Uh, I want to get I want to get a new gun pretty soon that I will just kind of like tease here, um, and that's probably going to be the most expensive gun I've ever bought. But it's something I've been wanting for a while. Another another one I saw, um, actually that was a video game gun um, that okay. I've been wanting for a little bit. What? Oh no, I'm just yeah. Mm, so okay. Um, the little I guess I'm trying to think of a little hint I could give to everybody that would work on audio, um, <laughs> and I think the best hint I could give is I ain't no fortunate son. Okay. So that should be that should be enough for some people to get. If you understand the um, reference, good yeah. on you. If you don't, I, you're as lost as me. So good um, job. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm looking again, looking at getting that. Um, that'll probably that since that's the most expensive thing, that'll be outside of that a little bit. Um, but I'll have some few new, few new things to talk about. Basically, I just talk about what I have. Okay. Um, like there are a lot of channels that have spent a lot more money than I have, um, and there are a lot of people who have just been collecting longer, and so they have more. Um, but I don't have a ton and I know that. So I just talk about what I have, talk about how you can get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's pretty much most of what that is. Okay. So how did you, uh, which one came first, your YouTube or Instagram? I knew I wanted to do the YouTube. So I started the Instagram. Oh, okay. And basically it's easier to grow a following on Instagram. Yeah. Because... I guess the way that I would think about it is, like, let's say you're going to watch a five-minute YouTube video. Mm-hmm. That takes, like, 500 times longer than looking at a meme and moving by. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so 
a very large gun YouTuber named Brandon Herrera, or the AK guy, um, started doing a video series called Gun Meme Review. Mm-hmm. It was basically PewDiePie's meme review, but it was all gun stuff. Hmm. Um, so pretty early on in that, I managed to catch the craze. Um, so I, di- I entered at the right time and got a few memes that were popular enough that people started following me. Huh. So that was how that started. Um, and I ended up kind of growing from there a few times. I've been on, I've been on a few times on Gun Meme Review. Okay. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy pretty, about pretty that. Pretty proud of that. <laughs> um, yeah. One of them was actually my dad's idea. It was, um, instead of Red Dawn, it was a uh, Rudd Dawn and it was a uh, Paul Rudd's face Photoshop <laughs> on every one of the characters on the Red Dawn poster. Really stupid meme, but it got on Gun Meme Review. So it was, it was enjoyable. Um, but anyway, it was, it was, it was a fun meme to make. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, so I, I kind of gained that craze and gained a following, and then um, I started with how-to videos. Okay. So, it's my opinion that you can do just about anything by looking up a video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, when I need to fix something on my car, the first thing I do is look up a YouTube video yeah. on how to do it. And yep. I see, is this something I can do? Is this something I have the tools to do? Mm-hmm. Like, but the thing that always bothers me is I start the video, and it's the guy, and he's holding his camera, and he's like, like half the time looking away from me, he's like, <laughs> hey guys, uh, so... I'm here to, today to show. So I decided <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do concise videos where I get right to the point of the idea mm-hmm. um, and talk about the process. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how I started. That was kind of how I got past like that 30 subscriber mark okay. was just my idea was I'm going to do things that people are going to type into the YouTube search bar and I'm going to use tags well and make sure that when people search this, they find my video. Mm. Um, so it was... Making a, making a video that was, like, short and concise and got to the point um, that people would, like, watch because YouTube pays attention to how much of the video people actually watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but also making sure that it was something that was people were going to search and people would be interested in seeing. Mm-hmm. So that was why I started the, the 8mm review videos because it was something that I searched for and there wasn't much out there. Um, but I knew, like, okay, so somebody's going to find Ethiopian ammo available and they're going to say, all right, so I, this is available. Uh, is it good? And they'll search it. And if it comes up on Google and YouTube, then people are going to watch the video. Hmm. So I wanted to do videos on that. Hmm. Um, and that was kind of how I got started on YouTube. And I just kind of let it grow from there. Started doing some things that were maybe I was more interested in. Started doing a few, like, meme things. Just I had to test the waters there. And that's not my favorite thing to make. Yeah. Um, but it's something that, like, I could draw some of my Instagram audience over. Um, but this YouTube is still quite a bit smaller than the Instagram. So. Okay. That fascinates me a lot yeah. because it's, I, <clears throat> I've been trying to do some YouTube stuff um, for I don't know maybe like a year now and it's I'm right around that like thirty subscriber type thing but it's basically like you know all your friends that you've told about right, right things like that and I think it's my my how I have pursued it is literally just doing whatever I want which I think is fun and like that's totally fine like if you want to right. do that but i think that's very interesting that you had like a specific goal in mind and so like because you were very focused on that that is what allowed you to actually like grow right and then as you start to grow then you're like okay now i have an audience right like let's kind of test the waters and see what yeah. happens so <clears throat> yeah so um my first big goal was, of course, 100 subscribers. Yeah. Um, like, that's just kind of a that's obvious, kind of like obvious start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my big thing was I would upload a video every week. 
Yeah. I would do whatever I could to get a video every week. Um, for a little bit, I was doing two videos a week and then I moved and just had to slow down what I was doing so that I had enough content saved up to, to cover the time that I didn't could do that, but I'm moving soon again. So I'll be able to get back into that. Mm Um, how long have you been doing it? Sorry. That's a, Oh man. Um, anyway, I started, it's either just past a year or coming up on a year. Oh, okay. I think I started in April or May of 2020. An Instagram before that? Uh, maybe. I might have started them pretty... Now that I'm thinking about it, I might have started them somewhat closer to the same thing. I can't remember exactly oh, when okay. Instagram started. But I think I think I started the Instagram before. Okay. Um, wow, so really not at, at it for that long. No. That's that's pretty cool. No. Um, I think the consistency has been a big part in it. Um, I think one part of it is knowing the trends. So, mm-hmm. like, when... So, for example, when Gun Meme Review happened... I wanted to make sure to get on that bandwagon. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of, that was kind of a part of, a part of that. Um, also I just thought I had some funny ideas for memes, so I wanted to post them. Um, but, but a lot of it was like, okay, I know I want to, I know I want to grow in this a little bit. Um, so I'm going to take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. Um, that was also why I kind of started the, like the more meme series. I think it was called surplus arms. And I was like asking a question to my audience, letting them answer. Um, one thing I thought it would be low effort and it sort of was, but not all the way. Um, it was a little heavier on the editing end. Um, but, uh, the other reason I did that or wanted to do that was because, um, I saw some other people in the gun community kind of taking, taking that, that gun meme review idea and and running with it in different ways. So I wanted to kind of test if I could do that and, uh, maybe later, but right now it's just not me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just kind of branched out into areas I thought would be interesting and did them. And then if they worked, they worked. And if they didn't, then I eventually stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of found it worked. Cool. Do you have any, I mean, plans going forward or like what, what, how, how do you see your, your YouTube channel and your Instagram right. and stuff? Is this just something fun you like to do or do you really want to kind of pursue it and grow it? So the next big landmark I wanted to get to was people giving me things to test individuals oh, okay so like i'm testing ammo somebody says hey i have a whole bunch of this ammo that you haven't tested yet do you want to do you want to shoot some of it oh, um huh. and because usually i mean if i ask if somebody offers that i mean they're maybe out 10 to 20 dollars like it's not like they're I'm, I'm not asking them to give me a gun yeah um they're giving me something expendable and relatively cheap um and i've had a few people offer to do that um and so like that that means i'm just barely hitting my next milestone um and i'm, I'm, I'm excited about that Hmm. Um, the next one after this that I'm hoping to get to is at a thousand, I can hopefully monetize and I, I want to get to the point that I can pay somebody else to edit. Oh, okay. um, because if I can get some, or if somebody just wants to edit because it's a passion project for me, it might be a passion project for somebody else too, <laughs> but that's unlikely. Um, <laughs> but if I can get somebody else to edit for me, then that means that, um, I guess two things. I can devote a little bit less energy of my life into this. Yeah. Um, and I can also devote a little bit more of my energy to the making of videos and the part that I think I'm best at. Like, have you ever watched a YouTuber and editing is just their art? Yeah. Like uh, one, one example that comes to mind and I have like, I haven't seen his newer stuff. So if he's become a Nazi since <laughs> that, since then, like, I'm sorry, but Jack's films, I think is a really good example. Okay. He does a lot of really interesting stuff with editing that I just can't do. I was going to say off the top of my head, uh, just all of Matt Pat stuff. Mm, yeah. I think he's just, it, like it's a very specific type of editing but it's really good at like flowing from the story and just like keeping the audience engaged the whole right. time it's a very different type of editing yeah. but 
anyway, you can yeah. keep going. Um, but yeah, so like getting somebody to help me with that who is better at it than I am. And I have a really good friend who's like his whole thing was was film. Mm-hmm. Like he went to school for it. And, and so I'm hoping to get there um, maybe to the point where like doing Patreon would be available. Yeah. Just something where I can where I can have at least enough income that makes um, like I'm okay if for me this costs money as a passion project. But where I could get somebody else to do the editing side of things, I would be would be happy as a good start. Hmm. Um, okay. So not not at all like a. I mean, and it's it's maybe hard to say that because it's like if you're it if you're what are you at like three hundred four hundred? I'm I think I'm just about hit four fifty. Four fifty. Okay. Yeah. So if you're at like four hundred fifty subscribers, you know it's kind of weird to be like. Oh yeah, well I'm gonna hit you know two hundred thousand and then now this is my career. Like, right, right. That's maybe a little bit harder to to visualize, I suppose. But right. I think that's really interesting how you could you have it like a goal in mind that you could mm, basically have like your your passion like right pay for itself or at the very least you know like alleviate some of that. Right, right, right. Maybe pay for the, I guess film and editing side of things even yeah. if i had to pay for the gun side of things yeah because the gun side of things is a hobby yeah the youtube channel is a, is a, is a project okay it's i mean it's a fun project but it's it's a project hmm. if i could get that project self self-sustaining um i mean of course i would love if someday i was to the point where this could be a part-time job really okay like, like that'd be cool I but i'm curious about that. if that like i i know that uh, ministry is going to be is going to be my thing for my entire life okay um if this if this was sustainable enough that that like that ministry was a part-time job or was like part job, part passion, but still full-time, like whatever that, whatever yeah, that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be really happy with that. But I just, if that doesn't happen, like I'm okay with that. Like this, this okay. is, this is partially just a fun thing I'm doing. Huh. So that's so cool. Yeah. I think that's honestly probably a pretty, I mean, it's not a good attitude to have if, uh, if the, you know, YouTube is your dream and stuff, right, which, right, right. in which case you just, you just got to send it, man. But like, I think that's a really healthy perspective to just balance right. with everything else in life. Is like, right, hey, yeah, like this I'm, is... I'm not going to stop working. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's so cool. Some people, some people just like when they start projects, they just like go all in. Yeah, and I'm sure maybe there in my life there will be a project where I sell my house and <laughs> and buy and buy a smaller place and like like literally just sell all my assets and focus. It. But yeah, right now it's just not. Yeah, that's not this. So no, I think that's so cool. But it is really fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other part about I. So one of my things is I, I really don't, uh, I don't see myself going anywhere like on YouTube mm-hmm. with like career and stuff. Maybe with podcasting, I've thought about that a little bit. Um, but like, just the idea of building community is something that I really love, and so I think that's so cool that you can like. One, you can have a community that, like, you just laugh with, like, mm-hmm. memes and stuff like that. Right, right. But, like, the fact that people want to send you stuff, like, that's just, it's so cool to be, like, I worked on this project, and now it's a project that, like, I can share with someone, you know? Right, so, like, I've I've named a whole bunch of random guns recently. Oh, yeah. And you didn't, did you know two of them? Uh, no. Okay. So, one? Uh... I couldn't tell you what it was. I heard things that were familiar okay. along the way. So anyway, but like, <laughs> I'm like I mean, no, it's fine. Like so many people, like yeah. my parents don't know, yeah. don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about this. Like I'm engaged. My fiance, when I talked to her about this, she thinks it's cute. 
that's that's about <laughs> that's it. That's about it. <laughs> um, she just she and she just doesn't have that passion. Yeah. But like one of the nice things is like through Instagram and I, I often post um, collecting stuff. People message me and be like, "Hey, so I'm looking at getting this. Is this a good price?" Or mm. um, like, "Hey, I want to get the, I, I want to get into this, but I have no idea what I'm doing." Mm-hmm. And like, I make a friend. Yeah. And I and oftentimes the YouTube thing is I'm talking to people who care about what I'm talking about. Yeah. And like, not that there's anything wrong with the people in my life who don't care about what I talk about because they care yeah. about me and they still, they still, you know, are loving and listen and all that kind of stuff. But like being able to talk about a passion to people who care about the passion is different than being able to talk about a passion to people who like care about you. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Huh. What is it? Uh, this is only slightly related. What's the, like the C.S. Lewis quote about, uh, uh, finding a friend is when, you you like realize like oh like i thought i was the only one you're saying you too like <laughs> oh yeah i think i don't i, I totally no butchered the about, quote but, yeah. but like that's cool because you can literally do that like after you know i would say you know in general gun collecting is probably not like you know when most people say oh like what hobbies do you have it's usually things like oh i don't know like collecting coins that might be an older thing now i don't know if right, kids right. do that anymore i like video games or... yeah i like video right, games right. i go fishing you know maybe hunting do you go hunting at all I um okay i think that's interesting because you're a gun guy but... yeah um so like the only hunting experience i've actually had is um shooting sparrows with bb guns okay um my grandpa had a farm and he didn't like sparrows because they spread disease um and then uh walking around on my grandpa's farm uh, not shooting any rabbits because we didn't see any um, but that's that's about it um okay. i would like to get into it later huh. um someday i would like to do like a good hog hunt um i just i think it seems exciting like i don't i don't i calculate risks yeah i don't i don't want to get eaten by a bear okay okay like i don't want to go hunt bear but hogs they might gore me but i'm not gonna die <laughs> it's gonna be unpleasant but, but you'll probably live. <laughs> likely I'll live if I get attacked, right? It's like, it's just enough danger. It's not a deer that's just going to look at me. I was, well, I don't even remember. Was it, there was a Joe Rogan episode I listened to for, I haven't listened to Joe Rogan for like a couple months, but he was talking with some guy uh, about going like, like wild hog hunting or mm-hmm. something like in Texas or I don't even know, but like. There's something about, like, he was shooting them out of helicopters oh, and yeah. things like that. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing, is hogs are an invasive species. Yeah. So basically, um, like, uh, I believe it's the same thing with uh, snow geese. Um, okay. There is no regulation hunting them. Really? Um, there might be a season, I don't know about that, but um, basically, if you the more the, the, the way they see it is the more you kill, the better. Yeah. Um, so you could, like, if you find a herd of hogs and kill 60 hogs, like, generally seen as a positive thing. Huh. They just, they're destructive to like farmland and things like yeah, that, yeah. but they also destroy the environment. They, um, they just are no natural predators in the U S so huh. that's really interesting. Yeah. I totally derailed us. I don't even remember why I started talking about hunting. hunting. Oh, I was talking about hobbies. Yeah. 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 I think it's just cool that, you know, I think gun collecting as far as I'm aware is not like the most popular. It's right. not, obviously it's not unheard of. There's gun shows and things like right. that, but I think it's just cool that because of like today's you know technology and stuff like you can make those connections you can right, build right. friendships and things like yeah. that so yeah it's yeah I'm, cool. I'm trying to think of the number of people that i've talked to and they were like like talked to in person and they were as interested or like close or as passionate or anything like yeah. that 
as, as I am. And it's, it's pretty low the number of people I've met in real life. Yeah. Usually it's like, yeah, okay. And they have like one and they just like to yeah. shoot sometimes and yeah. that's it. Um, but yeah, like through YouTube, I've met, I've met people who really, really care about this stuff. So mm. it's, it's fun. Yeah, that is really cool. Well, um, it's getting kind of late. We're recording a little bit late, so I think we might wrap up here soon. Yeah. Um, got anything you want to finish off with? You can plug, plug some things. You can, uh, tell a fun story, whatever you want to end off with. Um, yeah, but I think I'm going to sneeze. Give me one second. Okay. But now that I said it, I'm not going to. Okay. You can feel free to take this out if you want to. We're, or leave we're, it we're anticipating John's sneeze. Will he sneeze? Place your bets now. Okay. Nope. All right. Wow, it's gone. All right. So, um, I would say the first thing, um, 8mm Mauser Man on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, 8mm Mauser Man on Instagram. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to do that now. Yeah. I'm yeah. Look it it's, uh, it's fun. Um, if you go to the Instagram, you might see some memes you don't like. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, the YouTube is almost all collecting occasionally, mm-hmm. like very rarely I'll have a video where I talk about some politics, mm-hmm. um, but it is mostly like collecting and hobbying and history. Um, probably my personal, what I think was the most fun video to do was, um, I like, so I like history, I like reading. And I read this book, true world war one stories. And this soldier talks about his, his experience in Palestine. And he is at a uh, tell el Sharia which is um, basically like a, a tell is like a mountain um, or like a big hill. And so they go up this and they're fighting. And because of the sand, his rifle jams. Well, I have a very similar rifle to the one that he had. So I did this whole like dust test, basically putting, trying to put my rifle through the same experiences of his, um, reading his story and then trying to like, almost like diagnose the problems that he had. Um, and it was a really fun video to do. Um, so I... I like doing the history things quite a bit, and um, if if that's something that's interesting to you, like I'll occasionally post videos about the history. So mm-hmm. looking for a new book to read next, think of maybe something in Vietnam. Um, but usually, I like to read a book that talk that will at least um, like as a tangent, we'll talk about something I own, so mm-hmm. that I can maybe get a few videos on it. Yeah. So I think that was the video that you sent me. Oh if yeah, I remember right? I've watched. I think I watched like two of your videos or okay. something like that. Which it's kind of like. I would totally recommend it um, because it was like it, it was entertaining, like it was good, and it was informative. Like basically everything that you've heard from John tonight is what you will get from the videos, um, more or less. <laughs> yeah. I'll let him decide on that, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I would go I would go check it out. You know, for me personally, it's not my thing. That's fine, but. If it's if that's you, uh, I know I was talking with a guy earlier on this stream. Um, I was streaming earlier tonight, and uh, he's like, he's total World War Two, like nerd and guy. And so I'm like, I bet he would love that kind of stuff. So I might send it his way. But all right. Anyway, thank you, John, for yeah, of course for coming on the show. It's a little bit different type of episode. This yeah. might be the first time I've talked about a. No, I've talked with my older brother about uh. Uh, movie making before. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, but that was fascinating. Yeah, that was very long. I'll have to listen to that one. That was very long. It was almost like three hours. Um, but that was back when I had like a huge outline. I think I had like a million questions and I hadn't talked to him for forever. So it was really good. But cool. 
yep thank you all for for tuning in um i learned a lot about guns today i learned so much i don't know how much i'll remember but i will i will be all the better for it i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah after i uh, after i get all of that moved here you should come and yeah come and see what i have that would be so cool because that like to actually see stuff in person yeah i think we handle it and yeah man that just sounds cool anyway i will catch you all some other time uh tune in next week for uh i'll save that for the outro i'll tell you what we got coming on coming out later on but uh thank you all and see ya That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I really I really did enjoy this episode. It's a little different. Um, it's been a while since we talked about a hobby on the show. Um, I think one of the very first episodes I did uh, with Matt and Andrew, we talked about gaming. And then uh, a couple months later, I um, recorded with my older brother. I mentioned that in the podcast. But... Um, Really, since then, off the top of my head, I can't remember the last time we talked about a hobby. Those might be the only two um, without me going back and looking at my list of episodes and stuff. So it was a nice change of pace. It was also very interesting because it was a topic I really did not know anything about. So it was cool for me to learn more um, just to gain some more perspective. It's one of the reasons why I do this show. And uh, yeah cool to have that conversation. I would recommend going and checking out John's content. Um, even if you're not really into guns or collecting or anything like that, um, just go check it out, see what it's like and, uh, see what you think. If you are into guns and collecting and stuff, um, uh, from what I could see his stuff on YouTube, uh, seems very informative. Um, as someone who's not even super interested in that type of content, Um, I still thought it was interesting, so it was definitely worth checking out. Um, and on Instagram, I think, uh, there's a little more, the humor side, you may get to see a little bit more of John's personality come out, um, on that, but those are just my, uh, cursory thoughts, you know, check it out for yourself, see what you think. So if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. Um, I love to hear stories of people getting connected to the show and, um, learning new things it's just really cool it helps me out too um just kind of with wanting to stay motivated um and i really love the show i would do it with the audience that i have right now but if there were even more um i just think that there could be even more opportunities which is just so cool to me anywho i'm kind of rambling at this point next time on audio stew we will have a guest that some of you know most of you probably know And we are going to be talking about Royal Family Kids, um, which is something both me and my guests are very passionate about. So please be excited for that and tune in next time. But for now, have a wonderful day. Or night if you're like going to bed, you know, like sleep well, I guess. Good morning. Whenever you listen to this show, I hope it's going well for you. All right. See ya.